This is WNXS News with your anchors, Kit Harding, Jake E, ISO on Esports, and Diz on Product Forecast. Welcome back to WNXS News, your nexus for magic news. I'm Jank E. And I'm Kit Harding. Thank you for joining us. Our top story this week. The Innistrad Midnight Hunt trailer has dropped, and it's on the tip of everyone's tongues. But not for the reasons we would hope. Because what would a weekend magic be without a controversy about social issues? Calm and unusual. Unfortunately. <laughs> the controversy centers around the portrayal of disability in the trailer. The trailer features an abusive orphanage master who is particularly vicious towards a boy with an injured leg and a crutch. After repeatedly threatening to feed the boy to the werewolves, going so far as to hang him over the edge of a wall above them, he brings in a doctor with instructions to fix the boy. And she promptly turns himself and the other orphans into werewolves and turns them loose on the orphanage master. Reasons I am never moving to Innistrad. I know, right? So, now that we know what was in the trailer, what exactly was the controversy? Evilism! Can we narrow that down a bit? There are two separate but related facets that have people stirred up. The targeting of a disabled child for extra abuse, and the portrayal of the solution for this being to turn the kid into a monster. Well, the first one seems pretty straightforward. It is! People in positions of power being extra awful to their disabled subordinates is a distressingly common thing in real life. And so we return to the idea of there being some things magic just shouldn't depict? In a way. As with so many things, it's as much about the broader landscape as it is about the story itself. Magic has so few portrayals of disability, and then we see one in a trailer who exists just to be beaten on. To many, it looks like another contribution to a landscape where disabled people frequently exist to die or to further abled characters' stories. Or to turn into werewolves. Well, it certainly fits with the most prominent disabled character in Magic being an amoral consortium leader. And the number one Bolas henchman. Yes, and that. In Test of Metal, you spent the whole book in Tezzeret's head, and it's awful. I knew you were reading old magic novels. We're getting off topic. The werewolf thing plays into a very complicated conversation on disability. WNXS. Come for the witty sarcasm, and stay for the complicated conversations. Right? The idea of disabilities being depicted as being cured is really controversial within the various disability communities. There are a lot of people who take issue with the fact that in fantasy, disabilities are almost always portrayed as magically cured, either through magic powers or through adaptive text so good the reader never has to notice the disability. That definitely seems like it would be both boring and unrealistic especially given the only name portrayals of disability in Magic are Wynota, Tezzeret, Doretti, and Narset. And Tezzeret's by far the most prominent out of those four, especially because he's a main villain. 
Yep, and now we have a character who is terrified of werewolves being turned into one, and this is portrayed as a positive, thus implying that turning into a monster is better than having trouble walking. As of the time of recording, Wizards has not addressed this concern, but we will be sure to keep you updated on any responses they provide. Our next story. A new tournament software will be used going forward for Magic Arena-based tournaments. The development team announced their intention to use Match Arena going forward, stating that it will allow organizers and players a greater ease of finding or hosting events. This is a new step by Wizards to support local game stores and lower-level tournament organizers. It even includes a partnership with Matcherino to offer in-game gems as prizes once the organizers grow their following enough. To kick off the use of the new software, Wizards partnered with internet streaming celeb Crokies to do a two-day tournament held September 25th through 26th. The event was supposed to feature gems as prizes and be tied to the full release of Innistrad Midnight Hunt. However, on the day of the tournament, the software crashed. So I guess that just goes to show new technology is going to have its flaws just like always. There is an application form available on Matcherino's website for those who wish to become Tier 1 partners. After running a few events, those partners can apply to update, upgrade. After running a few events, those partners can apply to upgrade to Tier 2, which grants the which grants gems as potential prizes. With the pandemic still in full force, this seems like a good way for local game stores who aren't quite comfortable hosting in-person events to still work with their regular customers. Speaking of tournaments, with the World Championships right around the corner, a spectator event from last year's Worlds has somehow clawed its way out of the mana vortex, despite all odds against such a thing. Iso, tell us what's happening. Well, kids, fresh from the bowels of the Mana Vortex, hashtag findyourchampion returns. This is a way to generate more investment in the tournament, letting spectators get small prizes based on their chosen player's placement. On the Magic Esports site, spectators can choose one of the 16 tournament competitors to associate with their arena emails. Once a player is chosen, there are four tiers of prize payout available. If your player finishes in 9th to 16th place, you're given a promotional card sleeve and one rare card. If they place 3rd to 8th, the prize is the same, but you'll get an additional rare card. Should your player place 2nd, the rare count is up to 4 cards, while anyone who supports the world champion will get 6 rares, the promotional sleeves, and a championship trophy as an arena pet. The championship will be held October 8th to 10th, and can be viewed at twitch.tv magic, so the next time you hear from me will be with a full report. Jank? Thanks, Iso. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll have exciting news about some upcoming live events. Hi, Janky here on behalf of MTGNexus.com. Are you looking for a site to talk about the latest magic news? Find new brews to take your decks to the next level. 
talk about the latest topics, ask people's advice, listen to great interviews, or just hang out. Have I got the website for you? NCGNexus.com has all this and more. You can even see us go head-to-head at twitch.tv slash NCGNexus and talk to us about the game. NCGNexus.com I'll see you there. Welcome back to WNXS News. In our last episode, we provided you with a report of the upcoming SCGCon. Included in that report were notes about the concerns the community at large had regarding a lack of vaccine or testing mandates. We are happy to report that Star City has listened to its patrons. There is now a policy for the event that requires attendees to display either proof of a full COVID-19 vaccination or a negative COVID test from within 72 hours of event entry. For the vaccine proof, attendees can show either the physical card, a photocopy, or a digital version such as a phone camera picture. Star City isn't the only company opening up major events again. Channel Fireball recently announced that they are going back to the haven of major in-person magic events, Las Vegas. This stirred a lot of excitement as the one event most major Magic personalities have repeatedly said they missed more than the rest, was Magic Fest Las Vegas. The event, titled Channel Fireball MTG Las Vegas, will be held November 19-21 and features two main events that each have a $25,000 prize pool. One event will be Innistrad Crimson Vow Sealed and the other will be Modern. Channel Fireball is also taking safety precautions, including a vaccine or test mandate, wider spaces between play areas, mask mandates, and many more steps. There's a promise of a lot of vendors and guest artists, but at time of recording, none have been announced by name. And what happens there stays there, so maybe it'll be harder for an outbreak to follow you home. Because... That is certainly the way viral spreading works. More information can be found at mtglasvegas.com. Our next story. The Limited Resources Podcast is a contender for the most recognizable magic podcast out there, perhaps second only to the Command Zone. They've been known for spicy takes, terrible puns. Like you have room to talk. And solid, limited strategies. But a new affiliation surfaced recently that is, well, it's sure something. A.E. Marling, a former creative text writer for Watsi and former member of the Lorgoifs, called out the podcast for being newly sponsored by a cryptocurrency exchange service. We've mentioned the concerns that many people have regarding crypto and NFTs on this cast before, but this Twitter thread took things in a brand new direction. In addition to criticizing this sponsorship, AE called out limited resources for previously having Ben Stark on as a guest. Stark is known for both his skill as a magic player and for some not highly popular political opinions. No need to mince words. They aren't minced. Those are all fairly long words. From there, the argument between AE and LSV continued until somehow or other, AE managed to imply 
that LSV and Marshall were responsible for the January 6th incident at the Capitol building. This was all stemming from what seemed to be a desire by AE to have limited resources hold themselves accountable for participating in what he referred to as a pyramid scheme. He's not wrong about it being a pyramid scheme. We've discussed this previously. But participating in insurrection is a serious accusation, and he seems to have used it as a mere rhetorical flourish. A.E. did apologize for his comments and deleted that specific tweet, but continued his calls for them to admit their part in the aforementioned pyramid scheme. The internet, as expected, has taken this as an excuse for memes. Marshall and LSV themselves have made plenty of jokes about the situation, and Marshall even tweeted a to-do list that featured a taco run following, quote, contribute to a treasonous insurrection at a federal building, end quote. One might suggest people are taking this conversation a bit lightly. Noted MTG event commentator Cedric Phillips shared my personal favorite meme, a picture of the LR hosts doing commentary together with the caption, gonna tell my kids these two led the storming of the Capitol. This is another example of social media getting out of hand in one part of the community, followed by the other part of the community making jokes about it. At least we can have a sense of humor about it. Can we, though? Can we really? Next up, Midnight Hunt is fully released, and as with every new premium set nowadays, there are new commander decks to go with it. Let's go over to Diz to hear more. Diz? Thank you, Dank. Much like the Kaldheim and Zendikar Rising sets, Midnight Hunt only has two commander decks to go with it, and Crimson Vow will follow that trend also. Are either of them a werewolf deck? A werewolf deck for the werewolf set? What are you new here? <sighs> Should have known better. The first of the two decks is a green-white humans deck titled Coven Counters. As our astute listeners may have surmised, this is a deck focused on the new coven mechanic and adding plus one plus one counters to creatures. The face commander for the deck, Lenore Autumn Sovereign, is the epitome of this deck's themes. Her coven ability adds a plus one plus one counter to one of her controller's creatures on their combat step, and if they control three or more creatures with different powers, they draw a card. Well, if there's no werewolf deck, and I'm correct in thinking this one is the humans deck, that leaves either zombies, spirits, or vampires. Zombies do indeed take up the second deck slot in a deck called Undead Unleashed. This blue-black deck focuses on a mixture of token generation and sacrifice outlets to overwhelm your opponents. Will Helt, the Rot Cleaver. Will Helt creates a zombie with a new decayed ability whenever a zombie you control without it dies and also comes built in with a sacrifice outlet that draws you a card. Each of these decks has a fairly balanced mana base, and they look to stack up to the quality of the last few sets of commander decks. The next big product on its way down the pipeline is the Pioneer Challenger decks, so be on the lookout for those. Get. Thank you, Diz. In our final segment, we return to the News Brews. And this edition on the News Brews, I have content creator and aspiring streamer Floofies. Floofies, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It is absolutely our pleasure. So uh, tell me, what did you bring us to look at this episode? So, so I brought you the deck that first brought me to Mythic when I decided to first start getting back into Standard, which is Abzan Enchantress. 
All right. Um, so is that currently in standard or is it in a different format now? No, so this standard is going to be right after Kaldheim dropped. So this was me going, you know, I've been playing a bunch of Commander, and I have a friend that keeps talking about how powerful standard is at the moment, and how I should get into standard, because it's influencing a lot of cards in other Eternal formats. And so I was like, all right, I will give it a shot. And so I dove in, and then like, I remember this card being really cool, and the card that I was looking at was Citizen Champion. Okay, um, so for for our listeners who aren't terribly familiar with Enchantress style decks, could you give us a brief overview of what what it is that you want to do with this deck? Sure. So uh, Enchantress is just a style where. Uh, similar to like an artifact deck, where you play a lot of enchantments, you play a lot of cards that uh, interact with your own enchantments, and uh, get stronger. Um, typically, you'll see these in Bant, just because there are a lot of white, blue, and green creatures, cards in general, that like enchantments. Um, but in Standard of the Time, uh, blue didn't really have those. And... Part of the reason I sort of pivoted to Abzan was because uh, Theros was in the standard format at the time, and so I could use uh, spells like uh, Dead Weight and Myra's Grasp, along with the um, Hateful Eidolon to draw cards, as well as drawing cards on top of the Citizen Champion. Okay, so that's the meat and the potatoes of what it is that you want to do. What are some of the veggies that get you where you want to be for this deck? So, uh, obviously, because it's a creature-focused deck, I'm really focusing around either buffing up creatures or keeping around the Citizen Champion as long as possible. So I've got a couple of things that are keeping that around. Uh, it's the Elseid of Life's Bounty, as well as Luris. Okay. Um, what is the Luris has obviously made waves ever since it got printed as one of the strongest cards of the last two years. Um, what does the uh, All Said do? All Said is great because it's an enchantment creature, so it's going to be buffing up my Citizen Champion, and it's also just a great way of saying, "Hey, I have this thing sitting on the board. If you try to interact with uh, anything that I want to keep." I'm just going to protect it. I'll keep a mana up and, you know, swat away anything you try to do. Protection is always pretty helpful for unless it's a board wipe. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah, you can't really protect a targeted spell from a board wipe. Um, uh, Okay, so what would you say is the spiciest, um, jankiest thing that you do with this deck? So I feel like Luris is actually kind of the spice. So you, you, you say Luris, and your mind goes, okay, so Luris is the companion. But I've also said Citizen Champion, which is a three-mana value card. So Luris can't be my companion. So instead, I just jam three copies right into the deck. And so I can recur things like the Elseid, I can recur the, hate, the Hateful Eidolon, and I can recur my kill spells, the Deadweights and the Myers Grasp. Um, 
And then the other enchantments that I'm using to buff up my creatures, I'm using Rune of Might and Sentinel's Eyes, and it lets me recur all of those too. So, I mean, Luris may not be spicy on its own, but I think that I, I have a spicy way of using it. Okay, that's fair. Um, if you were to take this deck into another format, uh, what what would you choose? Would you just take it to modern? Would you try to keep it at like 60 card casual? What would you want to do with it? Um, I've definitely seen variations of this deck where people will use the will use Laris, will use Hateful Eidolon, and will use Deadweight and Myers Grass, and then uh, fill it out with a more Golgari shell. So they drop Citizen Champion and uh, they drop Rune of Might, but they're using uh, oh gosh, what are the cards? Things like there was a there was a standard deck that used a lot of things from uh, Ikoria and Theros, and you would get you would be killing off your opponent's creatures a lot, and so they would make room for you to make your way in with a lot of small things. Um, I think there was also a black enchantment that let you give your creatures flying uh, and like demonic embrace or something like that. And so you'd still be drawing off of Luris, er, not Luris, uh, off of Hateful Eidolon if they killed your creatures. And then with Luris, you could recur the enchantment and just keep doing the same thing over and over until you won. Um, so I think I would try to make it into a historic deck, just because then I could still stay inside the uh, the ecosystem of Arena. Uh, not have to buy more cards, you know, I already have what I have, and just keep using it. Yep, that sounds fair to me. Okay, uh, that just about wraps up News Brews this time. Floofies, where can our listeners find you? Well, I'm on Twitter at twitter.com slash floofies with three O's, because two O's was taken. I'm on Twitch at twitch.tv slash floofies with two O's. Um, I also am on YouTube, but I don't have a, like, vanity link for that. Um, and I'm on GitHub at github.com slash floofies, uh, though I honestly need to post more there. Uh, I only include that because I am a software developer, and so, you know, it's, it's part of what I do. Understood. Uh, and your deck list will be available in the show notes. So uh, thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. That's all this edition. We'll see you next time. Same time, new news.